0: You're just one more download in the brick wall that is
1: Animation Celery. Crunchy conversations about classic cartoons. Yeah, long tails and ears for hats. I am Matsy, And I'm his adversary, Micah. Today on Animation Celery, we're going to each put forth a champion, a cartoon series to pit a couple of randomly chosen episodes against each other. We'll give each a rating out of five, then compare at the end to see which is the victor. Hmm. The fighters today are (gasps) Cops Episodes, The Case of the Visiting Mother, as well as The Case of the Lesser of Two Weevils, (gasps) and in the other corner, Bionic Six, with Triple Cross, as well as You've Come a Long Way, Baby. First, though, we're going to take it easy and we're going to take our time and talk about stuff. Matsy, what's what's going on?
0: Yeah, Um, we got a lot to do this week, so I'm going to keep mine short. Okay. I was trawling the Internet for cool things, as I tend to do, and was shocked to see out of nowhere the second season of Jellystone has shown up. Oh. Jellystone, you will recall, is the series that puts classic Hanna-Barbera characters all together in one town and recasts half of them as girls. Hmm. And I still really like that show. I actually halted watching Kid Cosmic to start watching a bunch of Jellystone. I I really like the way they handle the characters. I like the setting. Um, it's got some really good jokes. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, There's not a lot of humor that makes me laugh. Like, mostly, I'll see a joke and I'll go, yeah, that's funny.
1: It's a chin stroke. Oh, yes, yes. Jazz snaps.
0: Yeah. But there's, like... But there were moments... Like, there was one in this where I actually had to stop. Like, I paused it for a second because I was just giggling to myself because it was so good. Mm -hmm. Um, It involved... (laughs) The whole episode is really funny, actually. It's an episode called The Big Stink. And... Daddy Doggy had gone out. They were him and Augie Doggy were watching the Scooby Doo marathon and he had gone out and there was a (laughs) get this for a concept. There was a reactor core meltdown at the stink factory, (laughs) okay, which which was flooding the town with stink. And so uh, the three characters who had no sense of smell, which are Daddy Doggy or Doggy Daddy, I think his name is. Mm-hmm. uh mildew wolf and yogi
1: <laughs> original character or is that uh, hannah Ribera? no no he,
0: he there are no original characters here these are all okay yeah
1: mildew wolf okay yeah,
0: yeah he's the he's the town punching bag he's the one where everything happens to, like he's <laughs> there was a moment where he's like standing there he's like i'm so unlucky and then a piano falls like behind him oh okay and they're like oh You were lucky that piano didn't hit you like my piano. I thought it was going to be safe in the air. It's a good (laughs) thing I have two. And then another piano falls behind him. (laughs) Uh, But okay. but yeah, good jokes. But anyway, the joke that made me laugh was is just it would occasionally go back to Augie just to show an establishing shot of her being fine. Mm -hmm. And she's just sitting on the couch, kind of rocking on her butt. And she she just says, those kids sure do meddle." Huh. And for okay. some reason, that really cracked me up. Hmm. But yeah, that show is very good. I I really like Jabberjaw and Loopy De Loop. Um. I like. I don't like Squidly Diddly so much, but I I I really I really do like that show. And something that I was reminded of that I think I neglected to mention last time I talked about Jellystone, which was probably like a year ago. Yeah. Um. I recognized a name in the credits, in the, in a few episodes that were like written and storyboarded by. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce this name, but I think it's something along the lines of Yotem Perel. All right. Um, and I recognize that name because he is one of the old guard um, flash animation crap posters from... <laughs> The Newgrounds and Albino Black Sheep days. I think he went by the name Lazy Boy, if I'm not mistaken. All right. And it was just weird to see, like, this name from stupid Flash animations 20 years ago, now writing and storyboarding for Warner
1: Brothers. Makes sense, you know? Well, it does, yeah. And good for him. I mean, a I'm lot not... A lot of them have done that, really. I mean, we mm-hmm. talked about Batman and Piderman before, and, uh... Oh, yeah. uh and of course, uh, Brothers Chaps, you know? Well, oh, sure. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, I I would argue that Homestar
0: Runner was bigger than, you know, the Cripple Boy and Chocolate Man series on Albino <laughs> Black Sheep.
1: <laughs> All right. Yeah. But still,
0: you know, if he's good for him, he's apparently putting in good work there because these are good shows, um, good mm. cartoons. So, yeah, I was um, I was really excited to see that there's more Jellystone. I'm still working my way through it. But mm-hmm. the cons- the quality is still high. It kind of made me wonder why I was so much more engaged in it than I was in season two of Kid Cosmic, which I am trickling my way through rather slowly. Mm hmm. And I wonder if it's just because there's a wider variety of characters and situations.
1: Like, I've always said of those Hanna-Barbera characters of the cartoons that they're great characters with, you know, intrinsically funny mannerisms. Mm hmm. But the storylines were always terrible. So hmm. once you give them something to do, then probably it's pretty good.
0: Yeah, like that's and there's such a variety of them, like every it's not all about Yogi. In fact, yeah. there's been very little of Yogi. Um, but, you know, so this episode will be a lot of the episodes are about uh, Jabberjaw and Loopy De Loop. Um, there's a lot of episodes about the trio of kids, which are Shag Rug, Yakky Doodle and Oggy Doggy. Hmm. Yeah. Um, occasionally there'll be one with top cat and his gang pulling a scam. There was an episode Mm. I just watched where they were, they saw a public service announcement about the, the luxurious minimum security prison that criminals were going to get thrown into. And they were, so they were trying to get arrested so they could uh, go to that prison.
1: Hmm. Good stuff. Yeah. You know, what's weird is that you introduced the idea. i still haven't watched it, but you introduced, uh, jellystone to me a while back Mm -hmm. and as a result and i don't have regular tv anymore not for a long time no uh at work as you can imagine i work with mostly normies right Mm -hmm. and when they discuss things they're talking about yellowstone but my immediate instinct is oh these guys watch jellystone (laughs) every time
0: (laughs) that's pretty good yeah anyway yeah jellystone remains good um and like I said, we got a lot to do this week, so I'm going to cut myself off there. Uh, oh, uh, I will mention there's a new patch in The Binding of Isaac, which changed some things. It completely changed the way that Lazarus works, and he's very interesting. You don't just kill yourself immediately. He uh, he gets a new life every floor. So, uh, yeah, if you're playing The Binding of Isaac, look out for that. Now, Micah, tell me what interesting things you
1: want to discuss. Okay, well, I'll get very regional and yet at the same time, kind of uh, universal. <laughs> so, right. um, everywhere, everywhere has their, uh, local commercials for like their furniture outlets and the like, right? These, <laughs> these locally produced commercials. So chainsaw um, guy getting hit in the face with a pie and saying, I won't be undersold. Yes. Yes. And in Vancouver, we have this one called Dodd's Furniture. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a recognizable jingle. It's like Dodd's Furniture. And
0: he <laughs> He's always, got like he his, had... his face superimposed onto some like Mario paint level animation. <laughs>
1: Oh, yes. Like (laughs) him super his his live action face on a badly drawn Indiana Jones running away from a boulder or whatever. And his catchphrase is, I won't be undersold. Um, Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, he's got these these notorious commercials. Uh, (laughs) I was walking to the bus stop from work the other day and a van passed me with uh a image on the side of the van of the incredible hulk with his face <laughs> <laughs> nice anyway i'll uh was I'll it him sure. uh yeah it was a dodd's furniture van i mean i didn't see who was driving it but got those surreal moments right like mm-hmm. another time when i was working at somewhere else uh and i was going across the crosswalk uh at the light was um Fatty from Fatty's Pizza driving his oh. Fatty's Pizza Car. Wow. That's pretty <laughs> yeah. Cool. yeah, it's kinda weird. Oh, anyway, um, um
0: one time I've I've mentioned before the the game store that a friend of ours used to have in yeah. uh in a local suburb. And me and him and our other friend were all getting into the car to go home and passing down the road was a a truck with a big sail on it, and driving no. it was was uh, local pawn shop superstar, the captain.
1: Aye, aye, and goodbye. Yeah, yeah we yeah. all waved at him and like, hey! And he, like, waved <laughs> back. It was, it was amazing. Yeah. So, um, well, whatever we can find, we'll show you guys. <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I know all of you guys, no matter what city you're in, you have one of those. Yes. Um, uh, anyway, um, you might remember a couple weeks ago, I sat down to watch green snake and found out it was a sequel to white snake. Yeah. So watched white snake. Well, now I've watched green snake as well, or should Uh I say white snake Two, green snake first blood revenge of the death adder. Um, (whistles) So these are, uh, Chinese action animated movies, um, based around a uh, folklore about a snake that shape changes into a human woman and falls in love. Mm. um, Right. So they're they're big action movies, and uh, if you hadn't listened a couple weeks ago, um, I started to watch Green Snake, not realizing it was a sequel, and it just started off at eleven. It started mm-hmm. off with uh, the two sisters creating a tidal wave to destroy a temple, and a super uh, Buddhist repelling it with magic powers. And I thought, well, I got to slow this down. Yeah. Well, actually, the movie kind of does that too. It's sort of like um, let's just say Green Snake. Um, it's sort of like symphony of the night where alucard starts with all his powers mm. and then has them stripped and uh so it really didn't do what i expected it to do so like at the the beginning of the movie um Xiao Qing, the uh, the green snake loses and she's sent to hell okay. so i guess i guess she's killed or sent to another dimension um so she goes to like the hell for quarrelsome people, people that have obsessions they can't let go of so they can't, you know, pass uh, through the afterlife and be reincarnated. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of like a place for everybody that's uh, combative to be. Okay. But a weird thing, so this, uh, the first movie takes far place far in the past, but when she goes to the afterlife, it's like a ruined modern city. Hmm. And And there's like, Oh, boy. In some ways, it makes me think of Advent Children, but interesting because um, <laughs> it's got, you know, a lot of asphalt and like a lot of uh, motorcycle stunts. Um, it's funny that your first thought.
0: Was, well, I mean, I guess it's not funny that your first thought was Advent Children. It's funnier that my first thought was uh, that one episode of Spartacus and the Sun Beneath the Sea with <laughs> the Ruined City. <laughs> yes. That's my uh, Ruined ru- City touchstone from now on, I guess.
1: It wasn't Mach, was it? The the, the anyway, the the monster giant. Yeah. Um. So, uh, as I said, she gets depowered because none of their magic powers work. So the things that are big and strong are still strong, and she's still about as nimble as Spider Man. <laughs> there are disasters that sweep over the city. There's like calamities, whether it's floods or um, uh, earthquakes or or fire or whatever. Right. It'll be like. That'll be the supernatural element that tears through the city, and then is followed uh, by winged spirit things that, whenever they bite you, turn you into one of them. Okay. But the thing is, all the uh, all the damned people that live in this city still can't. Uh, they 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 still are like battling over resources and turf. <laughs> um, there's like a one, the movie resembles the first one that there's like multiple antagonists one of them is a gang of the uh, the bullheads and the horseheads allusions to the um uh the guardians of hell in um an Asian mythology okay anyway there's the uh, the 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 fox that deals like with magic items and weapons she's back in there it's kind of like she's she crosses all dimensions to run her business right um anyway it's it's Very cool, very neat, uh, different from the first one. Um, But one of the things also is that, okay, I thought of this movie as being like a Marvel movie, right? That it just, it floods you with cool stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe the story in some cases breaks down if you really think about it, but it's just, (laughs) you know, kind of a fun popcorn experience. And I think they're better than Marvel movies. Okay. um, Because it gives you so much, right? And I think... Uh, it doesn't hurt that Xiaoqing is is um, really cool and pretty sexy, right? And All right. And her character's deeper in this one. In, in the first movie, she's kind of uh, vacillates between being sexy and being uh, vengeful, whereas in this, she gets to shine a little more, and I think she's more interesting than her sister. But also, these movies are building towards something, hmm. and they do it in a way... like a Marvel movie where there's an end credit sequence in both of them (laughs) that are kind of suggesting where it's going. Um, But anyway, uh, the, the white snake series, it's good. I think, I think uh, if you, if you're into seeing animated action movies, I say, check it out. Hmm. Cool. Got anything else? Well, uh, Oh yeah. We got to we got to pay the bills. We have an ad. Oh, Okay. Right. So, Matty, do you miss those sugary cereals that you used to enjoy as a kid, but as an adult, you don't miss all those carbs? Ah, <sighs> yes. Well, now you can balance your love of cereal and your responsibility as an adult with animation seller reel. No. <laughs> our, inaug- our inaugural product is Lady Lovely Lumps. Based on the not terribly popular cartoon, it contains marshmallow, if we're generous, we'll call them shapes. The pink ones are lovely locks, the purples are raven waves, and I think the blue and yellow ones are supposed to be fair hair and curly crown. Hmm. Anyway, all that goodness is mixed in a tangle of hair that I'm pretty sure is wheat and not actual hair. Yum, yum. <laughs> a bowl of lumps combined with a glass of juice, an extra glass of milk, two pieces of toast, a fruit platter, and your daily v- vitamin is almost a complete breakfast. Lady Lovely Lumps. It drives those stalkers crazy. It does it on the daily from animation cellar reel. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's good stuff.
0: Screw you, magic spoon.
1: <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, cartoons.
0: Yeah, okay. So, we'll alternate here, and I'll go hmm. first with my episode of C.O.P.S., the central organization of police specialists. This is police in the future who can be cybernetically enhanced or just have cool machinery. It's like, it's like police officers from various stripes and various places all brought together to Empire City because the notorious criminal Big Boss and his uh, collection of crooks are there causing all kinds of trouble. So, you know, this is a vehicle to sell action figures, which all had big oversized weapons that uh,
1: popped caps. Yep, yeah. sounds about right. Yep.
0: They, the figures were OK. They were big, chunky. Yeah. Uh Yeah. So let's start with the lesser, the no, the case. They're all the case. The case of the lesser of two weevils. Now, as we alluded to last time, this is sort of a sequel, kind of. It brings back... There are, there are like, recurring villains. You know, there's always Big Boss, and he's got his Berserko, and Rock Crusher, and Misdemeanor. And, but there's a couple of minor villains who show up occasionally, and this is one of them, The Bugman. He was a mild-mannered entertainer, basically with a flea circus, kind of, who... He ended up becoming a jewel thief, kind of against his uh, will and nature. And as we start out here, he is in prison and he's playing with his bugs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay.
0: What, you, what else are you gonna do? I mean, that's all he sure. cares. He likes his yeah. bugs. Yeah. That's yeah. He's he could be happy in prison as long as he has his bugs to play with, but. Being happy in prison as long as he has his bugs to play with falls apart because his prized favorite best friend, Bug Gaylord, flies out the window. It turns out he's been attracted to the music from a truck, which is driven by a villain known as Bowl Weevil. There's two bug themed villains in this town. Now, bug Are Man- they supposed to be brothers? I don't, I
1: don't I, really address that.
0: I get the impression that they might have been, like, business associates of some kind. Right. It's never really explained. They do mm. know each other, and they have an adversarial relationship, but they never really explain what it is. Um, but it's okay, because right now, Bugman doesn't know that Bullweevil is involved. He just wants to get Gaylord back. And so... He gets his remaining bugs to eat the concrete that's holding the bars in his window. So he could have escaped at any time. He just chose not to. And then he right. he jumps out and gets his bugs to form a big hand to catch him. This is a kind of a cool villain superpower having bugs as a shape-shifting
1: mass. Yeah, considering Miss Big Boss's crooks are mostly the strong guy, the strong guy, and the other strong guy. Yeah, really. Hmm. Anyway. Now we go to cops
0: headquarters, where two of the cops, Bowser and Mace, are arguing over whether Bugman is innocent. See, Bugman promised to go straight, and Bowser believes in innocence until proof of guilt. But they've been called by the warden who told them the situation, and Mace is arguing that if the bars in his cell are gone and he is escaped, then he is not reformed. That's his proof of guilt. Then the duty alarm goes off, <laughs> which reminds cops that they have to do their jobs. And police chief bulletproof Vess, uh reminds them that they need to do their job. Something's happening at a laboratory. And that's where Mason Bowser join up with riot control man
1: Barricade. And I remember owning the Barricade action figure. Really? Because I was thinking, uh... As with almost everything, whether it's, you know, He-Man, Thundercats, whatever, I like the bad guys way better. Mm -hmm. And this is no exception. But this episode features some of the better cops. Mm. I like Mace. I like Bowser. He's got a robot dog. That's pretty cool. Yep. And Barricade, for however limited the guy who has the uh, battering ram is, Mm. (laughs) at the very least, he's got a good play feature. And yeah, yeah, so. That that battering ram popped out with a. With the cap.
0: Hmm. Anyway, so they're in this lab, the Jumbo Grow Project, I think it's called. And two crooks, Berserko and Turbo Two-Tone, are trying to steal some kind of liquid. But it's backfired (laughs) on them. Now they're trapped. They're stuck in this room full of super grown vegetables and animals holding beakers of stuff that's smoking and shooting lasers everywhere. Nobody knows what to do. And while the cops are trying to figure it out, Bowl Weevil shows up and figures if the cops are paying this much attention to this place, there must be something worth stealing. And so he <laughs> tests out his hypno joystick, which is a machine that he uses to control Gaylord and another unnamed bug. <laughs> the cops yeah. are still not sure what to do, but then uh, Bowser's robot dog Blitz sees the two bugs fly in and, like a true <laughs> cop professional, chases the bugs, which startles the, co- startles the crooks rather into dropping their unstable serum, which explodes and starts a fire. And in the ensuing commotion, several things happen. So the fire is put out, which reveals that getting wet reverses the effects of the growth serum, which makes me wonder how they water the vegetables.
1: Well that's why that's why they haven't solved world of hunger.
0: Well, how did the vegetables get that big in the first place? Or or did they grow them first and then put the serum Ah, uh, whatever. Yeah. Berserko and Turbo are apprehended. And the cops, specifically Mace, sees the two bugs make off with two vials of the serum. And the bug man sees the truck make off with Gaylord demonstrating his amazing ability to recognize a specific bug at an incredible distance. I <clears> guess I guess he has really big glasses.
1: Oh, yeah. And it's a specialty, after all. Yeah, yeah. By the way, so, yeah, they, this this uh, serum makes things big, right? So, right. like, there's big animals running amok yep. in the laboratory. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about good play features. Uh, when a mouse runs at the cops as they enter... Barricade uses his battering ram to launch a giant pumpkin into the mouse and <laughs> roll him away. <laughs> yeah, although <laughs> that is pretty good.
0: It's, it's worth mentioning that they then say that it's a tomato. And okay. they just don't mm-hmm. really know how to draw tomatoes. <laughs> Too many lines.
1: Yeah, you know... <laughs> You said that you don't laugh out loud very much. Yep. I think that was a laugh out loud moment for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
0: I had one in the second episode, I will say. Okay. Um, okay, so let me see. Where are we here? Um, so, right. Bugman keeps in the heel of his shoes a huge swarm of bugs, which he gets to tail the truck. Next, Bull Weevil contacts Big Boss. Because he's got the growth serum and he's ready to make a deal. He invites Big Boss to his place for the meeting. Now, Bugman's bugs have led him to this old theater. Um, And based on the posters, this must be the theater that, uh, uh, not Gaylord, well, I guess Gaylord too, but mostly Bugman previously performed in. And that's where he knows that his old crony or rival or whatever Bull Weevil is behind everything. So he goes in and he finds super-sized Gaylord and the other bug in a cage. But Gaylord (laughs) doesn't react. He doesn't recognize him. And Bull Weevil catches the bug man in a trap door. Searching for a way out, the bug man starts the old crushing walls gag and breaks the controls. After these messages, Big Boss and Rock Crusher show up for a meeting. Bull Weevil introduces the crooks to the giant Gaylord and other bug, and they all plot (laughs) to steal a giant gold scarab from the museum. Scarab. Foreshadowing. Yeah. Bugman overhears the plan and sends, I guess, some lightning bugs out to find the cops. Oh, and he's still in eventual danger of being crushed. (laughs) Elsewhere, Bowser and Mace are arguing again. Bowser thinks they should track down the bugs, while Mace thinks they should just skip right to putting out an all-points bulletin for the Bugman. And just as Bowser is about to relent, the bugs show up, and Bowser ridiculously deduces that they're trying to tell them something. The bugs form a flashing arrow and a finger, directing the cops to follow them to the theater, where they are able to rescue the bug man, and their rescue is really, like, weird. Where yep. <laughs> Mace like climbs halfway into the hole and then uh, Bowser uses a single rope to haul up the gigantically fat bug man between Mace's legs. Like, I don't
1: understand Mace's role here. Well, he's, uh, I think he's holding the crushing back. It kind of looked like, I maybe, I don't know,
0: maybe. It looked like he was just propped in the trap door, but you could be right. Anyway. Mm. So they rescue Bugman and Bugman tells them about the robbery that's going to happen at the museum. And speaking of which, we go to the museum where Crusher uses the giant, or I should say rock Crusher. Yeah, Crusher. He clears the place out with the two giant disgusting bugs who Weevil is controlling from his van. And they begin the the process of stealing the giant gold scarab, Which is going to be tricky because that much gold is going to weigh a lot. Cartoons.
1: Oh, man. Cartoons often forget exactly how dense gold is. There's an episode of Cops where uh, a newly introduced cat burglar character is stealing some gold bars from like a high um, floor of a hotel. Yep. And she's just got like, you know. 20, 30 gold bars on a dolly and she's just pushing around like it's nothing. Mm -hmm. So especially cops thinks gold is pretty easy to deal with.
0: Yeah. I remember an episode of Animaniacs where Pinky and the Brain were going to try to steal a gold from Fort Knox and they successfully broke in and then discovered that they couldn't actually move the bars. No,
1: not even one, probably.
0: I think they lifted one up and like it Mm -hmm. was like uh, and then it's like smashed down on them. And Brain was like, I forgot to take into account the atomic weight of gold, or something like that. Anyway, the point is, they're trying to steal this big gold scarab. It's probably too heavy for him, but whatever. They don't get Mm -hmm. away with it. Spoiler. The cops and Bugman show up. Mace and Bugman head to Weevil's truck to stop him, and Bowser and Blitz head inside to stop the robbery. While Bugman and the Weevil fight, the hypno-joystick machine is broken. Weevil is arrested. The bugs are out of control until Blitz turns on the fire sprinkler and gets them wet, which shrinks them back to normal bug size. So all the bad guys are arrested. Bugman's sentence is commuted for his good deed, and he returns to being a mild-mannered, bug-themed entertainment sensation. Case (laughs) closed.
1: So, what do we think about this? Um, Well... I think it's not so far-fetched that Bowser understands the bugs, because if anybody has a high animal skill Mm. on the cops, it'd be him, I think. That's true. That's a good point. I might be giving this too much credit, (laughs) but... (laughs) Um, this...
0: This is a fine, I guess, plot for a cartoon of this style. You know, there's a, 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 a villain with a dubious superpower but he's not one of the main villains it's just you know every you know once a season he'll show up and do his bug things uh i like the character designs of this show a lot I especially like turbo two-tone he looks so yeah.
1: ridiculous and fun <laughs> you, yeah i, I love the designs and i love how especially the crooks mm-hmm. get to look all gnarled yeah big jawed and wrinkled yeah yeah, they look <laughs> yeah. gross.
0: Like, the bull weevil's got these huge lips and with, like, not really a mustache, but, like, hairs kind of springing out from the top. And he's got oh. two antenna
1: coming out of his uh, hat. When you get to guest characters, um, <laughs> like, okay, this is a Deke production. Yep. And uh, they're not really good, Deke, about telling you what animation studios work on what. Mm-hmm. Um but, so you got the animation of this. Uh, you have the uh, music, the Shuki Levy Haim Saban music, mm. and these weird designs. This kind of feels like this could be the same universe as the real Ghostbusters to me.
0: Yeah, the characters are all generally a bit thicker, but well, you're right. the cops you're and right. the crooks are.
1: Yeah, you're but you're the, not wrong. Yeah, Bugman and Weevil. Hmm. They. uh... They look like real Ghostbusters characters to me. Maybe even ghosts, frankly.
0: You know what? You're right. When you put it that way, you're right. Like, they, mm. they could very much be ghosts in Ghostbusters.
1: Although, the distinction between human beings and ghosts in Ghostbusters, real Ghostbusters is uh, pretty thin sometimes.
0: Uh, yeah, there's usually, like, horns or claws or fangs or something involved. But mm. but yes, you're right. Um, the, the voice cast... It's got a, you look at the credits and there's like a raft of names that you don't recognize. And yet 90% of the characters are voiced by Len Carlson or Dan Hennessy.
1: Right. (laughs) Burt Raccoon and Braveheart Lion. Yep. Yep. There they are. Turbo
0: Two-Tone is obviously Dan Hennessy. Big Boss is obviously Len Carlson. Even when I was a kid, I recognized that. Yeah. Yeah. He's doing his Edward J. Robinson. Yeah, see? Yeah. I'm a big uh, crime
1: syndicate leader. Yeah. Yeah. And in this episode, Mace also Len Carlson.
0: Yes. Yes. True. Uh, so let me see. What do I want to rate this? Hmm. I, you know, I actually kind of like this. Gops, yes. Gops is pretty cool. This is not, this is not bad. Um, I think, I mean, it, it's, I find the bug thing kind of unappealing. Like this, the characters all looks disgusting in a way that's kind of <laughs> off putting. I mean, they're supposed to. Yeah. They should. Like, I'm not blaming yeah. them for it, but at the same time, it's just not really. It's fun to look at. That then it's like, okay, I've had enough of looking at this bug man, and I've and his like Len Carlson doing the bug man's voice with the he's probably make his cheeks all big and sound pitiful. Got a little tiresome, but I it's okay. I am going to give this episode three Gaylords out of five.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, you know, not the best animated cops episode, <laughs> but like you, I just had fun. Yeah. I like this. Yeah, so I'm gonna give this four Mezuka's out of five. Ooh. Alright. Yeah, pretty good score. Um Alright. So uh, you gave me, um, Bionic Six, mm. a cartoon I'm not certain I've ever watched. <laughs> you know, the theme song and that's it. And I didn't even really know that. Um, I think, I think there was an opportunity to watch this, but I maybe was busy that week. And then it was canceled. <laughs> yeah. I, it, it, it baffles me that there's 65 episodes of this thing because it is the opposite of Cops, which was syndicated for a decade and a half. <laughs> um so what this is. Dr. Amadeus Sharp or sorry, Professor Dr. Uh, Professor Doctor. Professor Dr. Amadeus Sharp um rescues a family uh from an accident by giving them cybernetic abilities. This originally was supposed to be an adaptation of the $6 million man and the bionic woman. But for whatever reason that fell through, even though there's still weird remnants, like in the case of sometimes having super speed that sound effect. Oh yeah. They form a family superhero team. Um, They are racially diverse, by which I mean, One Asian, one black, and four white people. Mm -hmm. And they have a nemesis, Dr. Scarab, who is the brother of Professor Sharp. He employs a rogues gallery that greatly resembles the mutants of uh, the new adventures of He-Man. Yeah, that's true.
0: Uh, Glove, in particular, looks a lot like... uh, What was his name? Fang, frag, flog, flog. That's right. Yeah,
1: but all of them, really. Yeah, yeah, true.
0: Well, do you? Are you? Do you remember the toys at all?
1: For Bionic Six, yeah, or for He Man? no, I don't. I don't remember Bionic Six toys.
0: They were, they were not unlike GI Joe's, mm-hmm. except that some parts of them were like transparent colored plastic, like. I, I know that either me or my brother had one and I remember, I don't remember which character, but I remember like, you know, like the biceps of the arms being like translucent green
1: plastic. So do you mean that they're translucent so you can see their cybernetic parts inside Um, or just see, you just see straight through them? I think you
0: see straight through them, but I could be wrong. Hmm. It seems like putting stuff inside would be more technology than a toy line like that would be worth yeah, but I could be wrong. This is the kind of thing that it, while you talk about this episode, I will Google what the toys look like.
1: Yeah. And I kind of have to get to this episode because um, even as I'm describing this, watching the episodes doesn't give me a real great feeling of what this show is supposed to be. Hmm. I guess I can give you a little run through for the family. There's uh, Jack Bennett, who in another iteration would have been the six million dollar man. He's Bionic One, the dad, an engineer, and the the cook. Um, there's Helen Bennett, A.K.A. Mother One, um, and she has the default ability, specialty of having ESP. Seems like uh, that was the default ability for all female characters in superhero teams. Mm. There's Eric or Sport One, who is an athlete, and he's uh. When he's on the job, he's always wearing a batting helmet, which looks ridiculous. <laughs> um, there's Meg, who is rock one, who is super fast and maybe has musical related powers. And then there's um, James JD IQ, who is super strong and super intelligent. Two two abilities that go well together in real life, not so much on Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> There's Bunji or Karate One, and his cybernetic specialty is karate. And there's Fluffy, a robot gorilla. Um, for Doctor Scarab, we have Glove, which is like his right hand man, who ironically has a uh, glove on his left hand that can fire beams and stuff.
0: Speaking Madam of which, speaking of which, yeah. I just looked up these Bionic Six toys. Um, it seems like the transparent plastic is just kind of like the, it's molded with detail, but it's there's nothing oh. inside it.
1: So um, sort of what I was thinking. He,
0: he kind of. Yeah. But also, what was his name? Sport one. Yes. He comes with a a baseball bat and a catcher's mitt. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, he wouldn't want to be super strong, right? <laughs> or super fast. <laughs> what a waste those abilities would be. Yeah. Um, maybe he's a little bit of it all, you know, yeah. which makes him all around good at sports. Um, so <laughs> the OK, so another one of the bad guys, Madame O is. Oh, boy, she really looks like a He-Man mutant. Um, she is like a femme fatale that has a full face mask and uh, sticky, uppy hair. One weird bit of trivia for her, she ends every statement with the word darling. Yeah. And is is voiced by Jennifer Darling. <laughs> and then man, the gadgeteer for Dr. Scarab is named Mechanic mm. because I guess they didn't want to have a name that could be trademarked. <laughs> and uh <laughs> I think there's Clunk who's like I don't know what he is. He's he's like a goopy humanoid. Yeah. And then there's Chopper, the turbo two-tone of uh <laughs> of Bonic 6, who is the like the the motorist who constantly has to make revving motorcycle noises. Anyway,
0: <laughs> you're just um, reminding me of the names of some of the other characters from cops that weren't in. I was sad that none oh, of Oh, good ones. Well, I was sad that neither of the episodes I watched had Buttons McBoom boom. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. That's novel for the day cuz these days when everyone has to make a funny name it's always Mick something rather Yeah, I'm right? pretty Mick sure Mick I'm pretty rush. sure
0: the lady with the swords in the reboot of DuckTales is named Stabby McStabberson.
1: Yeah, boo. Yeah. Um okay, so I've wasted enough time talking about these characters that don't matter. Um we're looking at Triple Cross. It uh, begins with a talk show called Good Morning Hemisphere. It's being filmed with host Muffy St. Cloud and co-host Biff Beetle. Their guest is Professor Sharp, you know, the creator of the Bionic Six, and he's there to show off his new tech, TED, or time extraction device. It can bring a version of a living being from the past and or future as he demonstrates on a chicken, bringing its egg form from the past and a bucket of fried chicken from the future. Wow, that's dark. (laughs) Yes, you get the full encapsulation of the life of a chicken. Biff, the co-host, drops his hologram disguise and reveals himself to be Glove, the henchman of Dr. Scarab, and he steals the Ted. Then, really feeling himself, he does the power move of sitting Professor Sharp onto the egg and then takes a bite of fried chicken. The drumstick in his gloved hand, however, and the chicken on the table both disappear suddenly, making Sharp assume that the machine was damaged. At any rate, Glove runs off with the device. Both Scarab and the bad guys and all the Bionic family were watching the show, so everyone is caught up on the plot. Hmm. At his base, Dr. Scarab uses Ted to call forth a younger and an older version of himself for knowledge of future tech and youthful enthusiasm. (laughs) Their plan starts with ambushing Good Morning Hemisphere again, this time the three Scarabs the the young, uh, modern, and old, immediately revealing uh, how he's used the stolen device and, like the Riddler, putting forth clues on where to find and stop their bomb. The clue goes, where cherry trees blossom and hatchets don't lie, where monuments reach to the top of the sky, where laws can't be broken until they've been made, that's where you'll find the device has been laid. And it's the Washington Monument, which IQ and every child that was watching had already figured out. Yeah, I did. Yeah. So uh, the Bionic Six and the Professor hurry there. The team vaults IQ up to the top of the tower, and he but he drops the bomb. Luckily, Sport One is there to go for a diving catch, which he comes up way short on, but uses his powers to telekinetically pull the bomb to his hand but uh, the bomb is a fake anyway. It was all a trap so that the future Dr. Scarab can catch the whole group in a gun-fired rope that is a bionic depleter. It drains their bions <laughs> and weakens them. <laughs> Which, you know, I kind of like. <laughs> um, the bad guys have won, but the three scarabs fight amongst themselves. What, uh, and, and Professor Sharp rather generously warns them that killing a former self Will erase future versions, just like the egg uh, did to the chicken. Current day Scarab gets a hold of the Bion siphoning weapon, but unknowingly fires it in reverse, doubling the bionic powers of the Bionic Six and even giving powers to the Professor. Then it's a big old beatdown of all the villains. When they get away, Scarab short-sightedly breaks the time-extraction device to get rid of his duplicates. Then the uh, Bionic 6 strolls in Washington, D.C. and wonder, what happened to the professor? You see, unused to having superpowers, he's going to be sleeping in the arms of the Lincoln Memorial statue for days. Hmm. Feels short, doesn't it? This storyline? Feels like, um, it's not fully cooked,
0: yeah, they, you know, hearing you say it, like, like explain the plot like that, it's like, yeah, yeah that's not much happened. But they managed to pad it out for a full 22 minutes.
1: <laughs> like, okay, so Dr. Scarab's plan was to steal this thing so that he could make a young and older version of himself. The younger version isn't even, like, a big scientist. He's just like a kid with a slingshot. Yeah, It really, it feels... <laughs> So we were making fun of sport. Well, a, a like 12 year old kid with a slingshot fires a rock at sport, which he hits with his bat with such a velocity that it digs into the ground and then rolls up to him and blasts him away. In the nuts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So there's <laughs> not a lot happens in this episode, I guess. Like the plot is bad. If, if there was some, uh, like, you think about the writers who cared about shows like Paul Dini and, and J. Michael Straczynski. Mm. They might have done something with this where, like, it introduced recurring characters that would have been interesting. A power struggle that would have gone on for more than minutes, mm. right? And could have made some interesting toys, maybe. <laughs> but it's just kind of a throwaway.
0: Yeah. It. Um. The only takeaway that I really had from this is... Someone read Watchmen. Oh, okay. Because, like, this hmm. TED device is basically um, Dr. Manhattan's power. It just sees all of time
1: simultaneously. Yeah, it's kind of an amazing device, really, to it is. be broken and probably never thought of again in the series. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have some minor goof notes on here. Uh, so, the Good Morning Hemisphere show. It's band, The Doctor, features drums, a tenor sax, and a clarinet. <laughs> a little wacky. And also, when we first see the young Dr. Scarab, is it my imagination or his pants on backwards and unzipped? <laughs> <laughs> I would have to go back and watch again. <laughs> so, yeah, like this is a show I hardly ever watched, and... I feel like having seen an episode now, I still haven't really watched it.
0: I feel like I've kind of seen all I need to of it. Like, I, un- like yeah. this show's like, okay, I understand what this show is doing.
1: Well animated. Like, they sure wasted a lot of money with TMS, <laughs> with Tokyo Movie Shinsha. Um, but what does it amount to? Yeah. For uh, me, it amounts to two bions out of five.
0: Yeah, um, I am very similar to this. Uh, I am giving it two time beads out of five.
1: Right. Um,
0: very similar. I was like, <laughs> I was content to watch this during the ads in the mobile idle game that I was catching up on. <laughs> well,
1: that's why you missed the backwards pants. I guess. Okay, well, let's see if uh, my champion can build on its lead. Yeah, okay. Um, we got The Case of the
0: Visiting Mother. This is Cops again, obviously. And we got mm. Big Boss, who has gathered his goons together to outline his latest plot. See, there's gonna be... <laughs> how's this for a concept? In 2020, mm. What is year is it? two? There's going to be a big auction of art, sculptures, to benefit needy police stations around the world. <laughs> hmm. And Big Boss's plan is to grab the money from the auction as it's transported to the airport. But as he's explaining this, Big Boss gets a phone call from his mother, Big Mama. She's coming to visit tomorrow And she can't wait to see her son Boo Boo in action. Because here's the thing. He told his mom he's a pastry chef. I mean, he told his mom. (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) This is Andre the Giant's grandma all over again. Yes.
0: (laughs) He told his mom he's a wealthy philanthropist. A philanthropist is somebody who gives away money. Now, he's not about to drop the illusion he's created with his mother, but he's also not going to give up on the heist. Meanwhile, Bulletproof Vess knows that the auction money is going to be a ripe target for Big Boss, and so he sends Hardtop and Longarm to case the airport. There, they spot Big Boss and keep an eye on him as he picks up his arriving mother, who is very small and has... Big glasses that distort her eyes so much that her head looks constantly squished.
1: You know what her head looks like with her glasses and that hair? Et e. the extraterrestrial. <laughs> oh
0: my gosh! You're right. You're exactly <laughs> right. Wow. Um, yeah, she is excited to give her to see her son give away money and to feed him sweet potatoes, which she has brought a whole bunch of. Uh, talking about goofs. (laughs) Yes! You you laughed at the same part I did, I'm sure. Oh, yes. (laughs) Unanimated. (laughs) It's this scene where the background is scrolling and Big Boss and the mother... They're just in one frame of animation, just sliding along.
1: <laughs> and when I went back, and talking, to, talking while they do it too. Yes, you yes, yes.
0: <laughs> and when I when I went back to rewatch it because it was so funny, I noticed a <laughs> sign in the background that said "boarding," but <laughs> it was really crudely written, and instead of a G, it ended with a C, so it was "boarding." So the money ran out at exactly this scene.
1: (laughs) Yeah, maybe, maybe they ran out of time, but I think this must be an error. It must be, right? (laughs) Because if they planned it, they would have at least bounced them up and down like the Adventures of Hercules, right? (laughs) (laughs) So that was the highlight.
0: (laughs) Um, So Big Mama shames Big Boss into buying charity cookies giving money to an Oregon Grinders monkey. There's an Oregon Grinders monkey again. Yes, and the future even, or yeah. the
1: present, however you want to think of it.
0: Well, they're fighting crime in a future time. So mm. they're just perpetually ahead of where we are now. Mm. Um, and when he's confronted by the cops, she coaxes him into buying two $500 tickets to the police auction. So now he's got to go to the auction that he's going to steal the money from. So now we go to this building, which Big Boss has instructed his henchmen to dress up as his namesake orphanage. And also he has instructed his henchmen to dress themselves up as orphans, which is pretty ridiculous because, as I mentioned, these are big, chunky characters.
1: Yeah, they're almost uh, Jojo's Bizarre Adventure-like.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, you know what? Yes, you're right. OK, so Long Arm and Hardtop are still keeping tabs on him. And they're stumped as to what the plan is because Bulletproof messages them. I, <laughs> That's a 2020 term. He calls them on the radio and mm. reports are flooding in from all over the city about the, like Big Boss just giving away money. They can't figure out what the plan is because mm. obviously there is no plan. So during a moment away from his mother, Big Boss is able to outline his plan to the crooks, which all centers around a trick briefcase that uh, the villainous scientist Dr. Bad Vibes has made, which, when you open it up, it springs a net. So
1: his plan is to
0: trap cybernetically enhanced cops in a net.
1: I'm having deja vu. Didn't we do this once before? Didn't we Hmm. have a net in a briefcase once before?
0: Hmm. I don't know. There's probably been a bunch of nets. Hmm.
1: We'll have to look to the tapes anyway. I mean, I mean, um... Shining Glory was caught in a comb gnomes net last week. Oh, maybe, maybe. Oh, by the way, this takes place in the year 2020, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Nobody even has a cell phone.
0: All right. Um. So, yeah, so he's explaining this, uh, this, this plan. They're going to go. They're going to catch the cops in this net and they're going to make off with the money. But then his mom calls him for supper. <laughs> While they're gone, Longarm and Hardtop sneak in and they find Big Boss's airport plans. They also find his suitcase, which they trap themselves with like idiots. Hmm. Big Boss is somehow able to tie them up and get his plans underway without his mother seeing it. But now, as I said, he has to go to the auction and his mom makes him buy everything. So now (laughs) the money that Big Boss is gang has to steal isn't profit. It's his own money back, which <laughs> right. I think is actually pretty funny. It is. Yeah. Back at the orphanage, Big Boss's nephew Berserko is preparing Big Mama's luggage and Longarm, who is so called because he has like uh, he can shoot like a a, a handcuff thing. Power cuffs, he calls it. Yeah. And he uses this to switch one of Big Mama's suitcases With the net suitcase. At the airport, the crooks strike when the money arrives and chaos ensues. But of course, the suitcase they were gonna use to trap the crops is just full of sweet potatoes Big Mama brought. Berserko gets the money, and during the chase, he tries to bring it to Big Boss. Berserko's not very bright. Big (laughs) Boss is there dropping off his mama. And One of her suitcases, of course, triggers the metal detector. And when she opens it, the net traps Berserko, which causes the money to fly into Big Boss's arms. And with his mom right there watching him, he has no choice but to hand all his own money over to the cops so they can fund other cops.
1: Case closed. She doesn't seem to be bothered that her grandson is going to go to jail, but...
0: Uh, that's true. Now, he was flimsily disguised as a tourist.
1: Oh, oh flimsily, that reminds me.
0: Flimsily enough that Big big Mouth, Big Mouth? Big, big Bulletproof didn't immediately
1: recognize him. Oh, that's what? so beautiful. I love that. <laughs> he walks up, uh, excuse me, mister. And his reaction is, whoa, whoa? <laughs> 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 yeah. Me and my friends used to do Berserko impressions all the time, <laughs> and, and Big Bosses. You might imagine. Yeah. I don't know. He he, kind of like is like Bobcat Goldthwait a little yes, bit. Yes,
0: yes, he's a better Bobcat Goldthwait than the voice actor who did Zed <laughs> in. Uh, come to think of it, wasn't that somebody important? Wasn't that like Len Carlson or someone? I don't remember who did. Ah, uh, oh, whatever. We don't need to think about that Police Academy show again.
1: We have enough Len Carlson right here.
0: I can tell you that I looked up the voice actor for Dr. Bad Vibes because his voice sounded really familiar and I found out that he was Mahoney in the Police Academy cartoon.
1: Right, so Ron Rubin. Yeah. Uh, Artemis in uh, mm-hmm. Sailor Moon dub. In Sailor yeah, Moon, yeah. yes. So there's that. Um, yeah, we've
0: already kind of talked about cops. This is more of the same with that hilarious animation blunder.
1: Well, well you know, <laughs> okay, I think one thing going for cops, the music, the music is super good. yeah. Like the theme song's great. And then the variant of the theme song that's like uh, uh, in, for investigation, you know, work on the beat or whatever that do 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 do. Yeah. Do do Yeah. Great. I Use that a lot. But at the same time, I don't I didn't really
0: notice it. I was just like, oh, there's that song again. But during the action, I was I was like I was into it. I was invested enough that I wasn't paying attention to music being re- reused. So, yeah, I think. Well, I'll I'll get into my summary thoughts later when we kind of wrap it all up. But yeah. I will say that I think this is my favorite episode out of the four that we watched. Oh yeah? Yeah, this one was good. I I was amused by Big Mama. Um <laughs> I was you know
1: <laughs> I, I well, liked I like the cops l- trying to figure it out. Oh yes. You get a lot of Len Carlson too, like a ah yeah. Big Mama Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you like that, you get a lot of it.
0: Yeah, but I think this was I think this was a good episode. I liked Okay. I liked seeing Big Boss, you know, he's trying to do be a criminal, but he's also like being put into situations where he has to be a buffoon. Right. Like I like that he's (laughs) I like that he has this stuffed pig that his mom brought him. Oh, that reminds me. Pig watch, Micah. How's this pig? It's all right. Okay. Um, sure, I'd do.
1: I do it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I,
0: I like that he's like, when they arrive at the limo to the auction, she's like, what was the pig's name? Pookie. Po- Pookie, yeah. He's like, leave Pookie in the limo. It's like, aw, can Pookie come too? And she's like, well, okay.
1: Yay, Pookie gets to come. I like the childishness of Big Boss in those oh. moments. Well, once again, the, the crooks are way more fun than the cops. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
0: Um, I liked this a lot. Okay. Um, I give this four sweet potatoes out of five.
1: (laughs) Okay. Um, I guess I have some notes here on lookalikes. Hardtop, he looks like Jake Gyllenhaal. (laughs) And misdemeanor kind of looks like Cameron Diaz. Hmm. That's interesting. Also, almost every crook that Big Boss has is in this episode, but not my childhood crush Nightshade. Boo! And not Buttons McBoom Boom. <laughs> yes! <laughs> boo Boo. <laughs> we, uh, we fell to the dice on this one. Yeah. Uh, but still, it was, an, it was an already episode, so mm-hmm. I'm going to give this three what was out of five. Oh, you liked the Bug Man more than this one. Yeah, they're probably pretty close, really. Yeah, but. Okay. Interesting. I well, I like the cops in the Bugman episode better. That's probably what swings it. Okay, that's fair. Yes.
0: Um Longarm and Hardtop are pretty nondescript. They're like one guy yeah. is just a guy and the other guy um occasionally has a bionic commando grappling hook.
1: Yeah, so and That's a good and point. Really not enough of an Irish accent for my appetite. Oh, does he even have one? Supposed to. Sometimes. Oh, I didn't notice. So
0: good job on there. Right. All right. Well, one more. Come on, Bionic Six. Make up the distance.
1: Okay. So we're going to be looking at You've Come a Long Way, Baby. Hmm. Uh, written by Gina Bakar. All right. So a storm rages outside the Bennett house. Did I mention that the Bionic Six are the Bennett's? Okay. Um, amidst the clouds, a light sends down a dropship, and from it, Two glowing figures leave a capsule on the doorstep. The next morning, when Meg, a.k.a. Rock One, goes out for her jog, she discovers the capsule. IQ first handles it like a potential bomb, but it turns out to just be a cliche. The baby basket left on the doorstep. Hmm. For a baby with eyes that glow. The baby's powers cause havoc in the house. He hijacks a remote control bottle drain sometimes these are too funny to to describe um drains iq's machine of its power overlord overloads and shatters light fixtures and sucks the life out of the house plants professor sharp and iq rather hypothesize that the baby's abilities are to take energy from light which okay fine i guess yeah Dr. Scarabs meanwhile his instruments tracked the emergence of an interdimensional doorway at the Bennett house.
0: Yeah, I liked this where he's like he's like there was a disturbance somewhere in the universe, but where? Yes, that's for good. <laughs> and he
1: and he localizes it down in northern California. Yeah. And even, even pinpointing it doesn't realize like or doesn't state any way that he knows it's the home of his arch nemesis. Well, supposedly, these are secret identities. Like yeah, supposedly. They're
0: superheroes. Like nobody, despite the fact that they don't wear any kind of face coverings, nobody knows that the Bennett family are the Bionic Six.
1: Well, to be honest, their superhero costumes don't look that much different than what everybody else wears. So maybe yeah. that's. Maybe it's a reverse secret identity where they're not recognizable superheroes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, by the way, also, I like um, Dr. Scarab's base. The base is way cooler than he has has any right to be. Hmm. It's like this, uh, it's sort of like a sunken oil rig, it kind of looks like. And there's like, you know, marine life swimming around it. It's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like if you would imagine like, sort of like the Cloud City from The Empire Strikes Back. Underwater, kind
1: of. Yeah. Anyway, actually, a lot of the stuff is designed pretty neat in the show. Anyway, we'll go, we'll get back to the plot of this. Um, so, as is their typical mo, the bad guys, in this case Madame O and Mechanic, approach the home in hologram disguises. They pretend to be pushy investigative reporter, uh, a pushy investigative reporter, and her cameraman. And for whatever reason, the Bionic Six are trying desperately to hide this baby.
0: <laughs> yeah. There's a lot in this. There's like, why are they allowing these reporters to be so pushy? Why are they
1: like? <laughs> well, that also brings to mind that, that they can fool anybody with these hologram disguises. They can't fight for Dick. No. But, but they sure could mess with the lives of the Bennets right? Yeah, yeah. Because, because, yes. be, because there's such pushovers. Um, okay. So mechanic finds the baby's discarded pendant. You see earlier, it was figured that this pendant was a pacifier and trying to get it back rather than just ask for it. Um, with some sleight of hand, Fluffy, the robot gorilla thing, the uh, Mega Man villain hmm. accidentally destroys the pendant. Um, when the baby has its picture taken, the light of the flash causes a backlash that incapacitates everyone, and then the baby teleports. So, Mechanic and Madame O shed their disguises and report back to Dr. Scarab, and he decides that he's gotta have this powerful baby. Both the Bionic Six and the villains track the baby into town, and their surveillance sees him wreck every electric device it comes across. Again, I don't I don't think they describe his powers correctly, but anyway. Um, we do get to briefly see the Bionic Six vehicles, the Skydancer jet, and the much less cool mules van, <laughs> which looks not much different than a family vehicle. Um, anyway, the baby boards a hoverboard, but Rock One uses her super speed to give chase. And everybody congregates to the park where the heroes form a bionic shield to keep Scarab and his goons away from the baby, but the baby feeds off that energy. It's already nearing critical mass, so there's real stakes here, and it absorbs the group's bions so they drop incapacitated. Hmm. Just then, the light from the dropship reappears, and a man and a woman, those glowing figures from before, appear in futuristic body stockings. Finding their baby in the hands of bad guys... They use their powers to immobilize Scarab, Madam O, and Mechanic. And trigger one of your pet peeves, I bet. That uh, Scarab still talks while he's immobilized. Oh, yes. Yes. So the two incredible figures reveal themselves to be from the future, where the memory of the Bionic Six is revered. You see, they left the baby with them, because of the dangers of a near supernova in the future uh, they leave with the baby for their own time and the bad guys are comically left frozen in place like statues I don't know I can't remember what they asked them they asked them like um, you know oh so we're famous in the future I think a better question is so when is this uh, supernova gonna happen <laughs> Yeah. <You know? laughs> yeah. that might have been better
0: Um, Um, yeah. And that's a, I guess, you know, if you're dealing with time travel, because I'm thinking like, wow, that was a quick supernova. But I guess if they're dealing with time travel, they could just be like, here, hold on to this baby for a second. We're going to jump around time until we find a place where there's no supernova. Okay, we found one. Now we're just going to go back to roughly the same time. Maybe it's been years for them, but, uh, you know, a day
1: on Earth. Something just came to me, actually. Hmm. So the baby was dangerous because it was absorbing too much energy. I think the baby was the disaster. And in fact, they (laughs) deposit him around time to uh, siphon energy from various periods in time rather than overload on futuristic stuff. You know, now that I'm thinking about it, if this baby absorbs light,
0: Mm. that would mean that other humans also absorb light. Maybe Maybe... Maybe just the all the adults of Earth all got together and absorbed the supernova.
1: Or maybe they needed to put that gluttonous baby somewhere else so that it wouldn't eat all the supernova.
0: Well, I'm thinking both. <laughs> I'm thinking like maybe it's like all the children who are too small to absorb all this power without exploding. Everybody take your time ships and put them somewhere safe Well all the adults who can handle this will absorb the supernova, and then once it's gone, you can get your fragile
1: children back. Huh. You know maybe. what would have been nice? Mm-hmm. Is if they'd left them a note. Or knocked <laughs> yes. on the door. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah, true. Maybe, maybe language has evolved so much that they don't use written words anymore.
1: Heh. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um. So, okay, so I'll talk about some positives overall for Bionic uh, 6. Mm-hmm. Um, the animation is nice. Yeah. Uh, there's some good voice actors in it. Like, Bionic One, Jack Bennett, is played by John Stevenson, who, we, we remember, is Many Transformers and A Million Scooby-Doo Where Are You Guests.
0: <laughs>
1: this isn't a big one, but I, I do like, uh, okay, so I like some of the designs in the show. Um... I think they do a really good job of the parents of the Bionic 6. You know, okay, making yeah. them look their age. Yeah, that's true. They do. Um Like even the fashion. I really like the way uh Mother 1 is dressed. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: not yeah. not telepath 1 or ocean biologist 1, but yeah, uh, yeah. anyway. Yeah. Although some would say that uh motherhood is the most valiant job. Yeah, true. I like Rock One, Meg, for her short, spunky hair. Yeah. I would say there's her, her design isn't inspired, but it's something I like.
0: I like and, her design. I don't like her personality.
1: Uh, it's, yeah, it's not great. Um, I do like Samantha Paris's, um pseudonym for this role, though. Bobby Block. <laughs> uh, I guess for other... <laughs> the Sport One... The, the the dork with the batting helmet is voiced by Hal Rail, who is shrapnel in Transformers and the Tin Woodsman in the Wizard of Oz cartoon. Mm. So pretty good. You know, and I, I, I do like those those enemies as well in the base. And there's a lot of nicely designed things. And this is a case where I still do like the villains more, but I think they did a very good job designing the uh, the heroes in this too. Yeah. Um. Now, for the negative... I never got a sense of the Bionic 6 being super. Not really, no. I mean, Rock 1 gets to run fat. And it's kind of weird that I say that, right? Because most of them get to do something in the other episode in terms of fighting. But I want more, you know? Yeah. I want it to be intrinsic to who they are. And I think part of it is my my pet peeve of super scientists eating the time inventor characters Mm. that IQ... Uh, eats a lot of the time, so there's not anything left for, you know, superpowers. No. Um, Exposition. Oh, right, right. And, <laughs> okay, so the Asian one, his superpower is karate. <laughs> he doesn't karate once in these two episodes. The closest he comes is doing a one handstand to entertain a baby.
0: Yeah, and he flipped back onto his feet pretty nicely from that.
1: Oh, did, yeah, yeah. I did
0: notice that, and I was like, okay, that took some skill. Good job.
1: Yeah, that's real super.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um I mean, the action figures didn't do anything. Like they just had clear parts. So it's it's just kind of like these these people have vague, you know, they can do ordinary things better than ordinary people can. Mm. Yeah. I got a sense you mentioned the vehicles How there's this shot of like the underwater door opens up and this jet flies out and it flies up and veers to the side as it drops a van out. (laughs) And I was thinking about Poochie, like shredding guitar and doing basketball dunks instead of anything meaningful because it's what an executive thought was cool.
1: I wonder if that's reused animation.
0: Oh, maybe. Maybe. Hmm. But yeah, I kind of, I got the sense that there was this whole, there was this, like, there was this higher up, make a cartoon that is going to sell these toys. And the people making the cartoon kind of went, we are very limited in what we can do with this concept.
1: Except they're not really, right? If they had anybody who cared. Yes. If they had anybody who cared as much as the writers of Cops cared, they could have... Made something memorable here.
0: I often think about, there was some other cartoon, I can't remember what it was, but I was thinking, like, if this was made now, there would be so much, there would be, like, the characters would have, like, crises about their identity as humans, their roles as heroes, um, the the brother thing between the scientists and the villain would be a bigger deal. Like every, they would take every aspect of this show and flesh it out.
1: Yeah. In how, about, here, how about anything? How yeah. about anything?
0: Yeah. Here it's just, these are some characters who could have superpowers. Let's put them in situations where they have to use those superpowers and their personalities mean almost nothing.
1: And they spent so much damn money on this, I have to assume. Or if they didn't, who cares? They wasted TMS's time. Now, now uh, D contracted TMS for some animation, so they may have had some uh, hand in some of the Cops episodes we watched, but the, the quality is stark, a difference, right? Mm. The animation in this show is good, but who the hell cares? Yeah, yeah. And- that said, you know, I'm, 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 I am I'm like the, the animation enough that I would watch more of it, but uh, not if something else is on, so to speak. Mm. Just like back in the day. Yeah. All right. Now, even though I waited till the end to sum up a lot of my uh, dislike for the show, I actually did like some parts of this episode more than the other one. So I'm going to give this three family vans out of five.
0: Hmm. I I thought this was a mess, really. It is. Um, it is. Yeah, I I couldn't really get into either one of these. They just blended together. Um I am gonna give the same rating I gave the last one. I am gonna give
1: two doorstep babies out of five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So um it looks like your champion for me has a total score of five yeah. and from you you've given it four, yes, for a total of nine, yeah, and I think we both invert we inverted our cop scores and each gave that seven in total,
0: yeah, for a total of fourteen between the two of us,
1: ah, which proves nothing but I win <laughs>
0: you do you you picked a Way better show that you, you know, you gave a cool show. I've tried to find something comparable and it turned out that what I dug up just wasn't comparable. Cops wins.
1: But an interesting, interesting comparisons and contrast, right? Yes. A, sh- a show that went off the air immediately, a show that stayed on bizarrely forever. Two shows about
0: future heroes against a gaggle of... Weird villains with quite similar uh, Looks head and haunchos, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm surprised actually that you went that entire episode without mentioning how much Frank Welker was in it.
1: You know, I think it balanced out. I don't know if that was good or bad, but yes, he's everywhere in this thing. He's he's like three fifths of the villains and the baby in the show, and the, of course he's the baby. Of yeah, course. yeah, yeah. There was no dog, so right, right. Um, these are both. Uh, both commissioned TMS. Um, yeah, kind of, kind of similar shows. So similar
0: shows, but one of them did it way better.
1: Right. But there's, there's the contrast too. cops. Mm -hmm. I watched all the time and Bonnix looks I'd never seen. So I had novelty on its side. (laughs) So nostalgia versus novelty anyway.
0: Yeah. Now that we're through being enemies, let's be friends again. And, uh, watch some cartoons. Hopefully you'll still be my friend after you watch them. I think you will. I feel good. All right. So inspired by watching Jellystone, I Mm. decided to go for something. You know what? I wanted a theatrical, like a short from Hanna-Barbera. And what I discovered is that Hanna-Barbera only ever made one series of theatrical shorts. And that's loopy de loop. Uh okay. so yeah, I'm gonna give you a loopy de loop thing to watch, which is let me see if I can get this name correct. I, I keep screwing up the name of this cartoon. Yes. It's a loopy de loop cartoon. It's called Bungle Uncle.
1: <laughs> well, that's Hanna-Barbera, all all right. Yep, it is.
0: And I think the other cartoon I'm going to give you is going to need no introduction. No? So what are you going to give me? No, no, I'm kidding. Huh. It's Duck Dodgers in the 24th and a half century. Hey, you did that
1: thing you love.
0: (laughs) Well, no, that it's, there's a difference between sticking your tongue out and kind of perking your cheek.
1: Oh, okay. Um... All right, well, neither makes an appearance in my shorts. Oh, there's no loopy-de-loop? What? No, no, no. Okay, so, I am giving you more Little Audrey. Ooh. And the cartoon is The Song of the Birds. All right. The other is an independent animation, a far newer one, Hmm. called Within Without. It is from the animation studio. All right. Oh, sorry. No, I got that wrong. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Reset. Within, without, by the animation workshop. Okay. Set hmm. it right the first time. All right.
0: Within, without, animation. Okay, so there's some good things that we can watch. we we'll see. Th- All right. So, until next time, make sure to give us your feedback on what you thought of this battle. Tell us which one you prefer, Cops or Bionic 6. Tell us what you think of Mugman. Well, also Bugman.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Tell us if you've seen Bionic 6, for that matter. Yeah.
0: Um, I'm at AC Matzy on Twitter.
1: Yeah, tell everyone you know about this show, too. Tell everyone it's great. I'm at Drab Swatch. So, uh, hey, Matzy, knock, knock. Who's there? Interrupting Celery Stalker's slogan interrupting celery stalk okay ah oh,
0: i thought he was lost forever <laughs>